Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 16. Past Regrets Meet Future Purpose. The white light was not only blinding, but it instantly turned Tim's stomach. He was reminded of the weeks he had spent in the wine cellar with only white light when he would open a door. The mental reminders of that time. The fact he had left his uncle's body behind. The fact that he was trapped in the past, and if he screwed anything up at all, not only would his grandfather die, but his entire family line would cease to exist. When color came back to his world, his first response was to bend over and retch all over the cornerstone and the thick mud that now covered his feet. He knew in the back of his mind that he was still in danger, but the mixture of temporal travel and the memories that consumed him took over and displayed themselves in a semi-liquid form. Despite having utilized the essence many times over his lifetime, this felt somehow different. He wanted to convince himself that was the reason for the vomit on his feet, but he wasn't certain, nor did he have time to make himself certain. Island's voice was the first he heard. Madre de Dios! The Spanish-speaking essence guard scanned his surroundings quickly to make sure that his companions were alive and well. He was still gripping Roland, who was splayed out in the mud, doing his best to catch his breath. Island met eyes with the nearby Nazi guard, who he had moments before knocked a gun away from. The two slowly turned their gazes to the gun sticking out of the viscous muck and immediately scrambled their way to grasp for it. Roland reached for the Nazi, attempting to slow down his progress as Island worried only about the gun. The guard was just about to reach out and grasp the muzzle when he felt a tug and his body slipped back. Roland had grabbed a hold of his ankle, giving Island enough time to grip the gun and begin to turn it on the man closest to him. Not so fast, called out the only other living opponent in the open field of muck. He had a gun trained on the two men, his finger resting on the trigger. Island relaxed in defeat and sighed aloud. Good. Hand the weapon to the senior private and lay down face up and hands out. Tim looked up and quickly wiped his mouth of bile. He cradled the cornerstone under his left arm like a football and balled his right hand into a fist. Leaping forward, he punched into the air and yelled, Not on my... and disappeared completely in a shimmer of white light. The soldier turned to fire on Tim, only to see that he was no longer there. He turned back to the two essence guards and jabbed the barrel of his rifle in their direction. Where did the American go? he inquired, rattled but trying not to show it. The two men shook their heads as confused as he was. The field was silent for a long, uncomfortable moment as the four men looked around, expecting something but finding nothing. The man with the gun turned his full attention back to them and grunted, No matter. Give him the gun and do as I ordered. Island looked back to Roland, who shrugged slightly. The remaining soldier reached for the gun and took hold, though the Argentinian didn't immediately let go. Watch! Tim yelled as he appeared back into existence, his fist 
connecting with the face of the soldier whose gun was trained on the pair. He sprayed bullets off into the air as Tim's body slammed into him. The dark-skinned essence guard pulled the trigger on the gun he was handing over and showered the nearby Nazi with bullets. Tim continued to beat upon his opponent's face with his only open hand and soon kicked the gun out of the man's grip when he noticed the soldier had slipped into unconsciousness. I punched a freaking Nazi, Tim yelled with glee, waving his bloodied fist in pain. Roland and Island looked at each other and then back to Tim. Why did you just disappear like that? The newest Edmund asked incredulously. Tim hefted the cornerstone up in front of him. This thing doesn't come with a manual, you know? Island stood up and approached Roland, offering a hand to help him up. The wounded man attempted to stand but fell back down with a painful grunt. The Argentinian immediately rolled up Roland's pant leg. He felt around while his patient hissed intermittently. I think you might have fractured your leg, my friend, he said, looking around for something to use as a splint. Their surroundings were fairly sparse, though there was a forested area off in the distance some. The three, having a moment to look around, agreed that they had no idea where they were. Even more strange is that I see no mountains and only the smallest of hills. Tim, where did you take us? He demanded a pang of urgency coming to his voice that could easily be misconstrued as anger. What part of this thing doesn't come with a manual do you not get? I have no damn idea where we are, man. All I know is we aren't dead. I helped save us, and I punched out a Nazi. Tim was beside himself. The stress of the situation had gotten to him as the adrenaline wore off, and he realized how close he had come to wiping out his entire family line in one shot. Island rose up and held out a hand to calm Tim some. It's okay. We got through it. Do you remember your last thoughts before the cornerstone was hit? Tim stopped for a moment and thought as Roland sat up. I don't know. I guess I thought we were dead. I thought he was going to die, he said, pointing to his 20-something-year-old grandfather. And then all of my family was going to just disappear and that it was all my fault. Roland narrowed his eyes quizzically. What? Why would you think that? We don't have the time for any of this nonsense, Island snapped. Tim, go find something to use as a splint for Roland's leg. Tim turned to leave and saw a glint of color at his feet. Dipping his hands into the mud, he wrapped his fingers around what felt like a small rock. Picking it up, he rubbed it on his shirt to find a bright, shimmering, green, jagged stone. Realizing what it must be, he passed it and the cornerstone to Island. I'm pretty sure that's part of the essence that was shot up when we were sent here, he murmured, still feeling some embarrassment for being the reason why they were in this predicament. Thank you, the essence guard said curtly. Now please, Tim, we need to get that splint so we can get out of here. With a nod, the time-displaced man dashed off towards the woods. When he returned about 15 minutes later, it was with an armful of twigs and branches of various size and thickness. The soldier Tim had knocked out was now tied up tightly with what Tim had to believe were his own bootlaces. The other two bodies were completely covered in mud, or at least Tim thought it was the bodies. 
Roland looked to be doing better as he sat whittling away at the tree branch he had been using to help with his walking, while Eilin regarded Tim with disdain. Did you really think I needed a selection to choose from? Tim chuckled and pointed towards the horizon. No, the sun is going down, and we have no clue where we are. I thought it would be best to make a fire and set up camp. Eilin grabbed two pieces of wood that he thought would help and nodded. That makes sense, Tim, but we can't set up camp here. It's too open. Why don't you forge ahead and find a clearing for us and set up camp? He slipped his lighter into Tim's pocket and then slipped one of the rifle straps over Tim's neck and shoulder. Take this in case you find trouble. We'll be along soon. It was considerably longer than Tim had hoped it would take, but about an hour later, he was sitting down to a roaring fire as Roland, Eilin, and the beaten soldier walked into the campsite. Tim was warming himself up as Roland took a seat with a grunt. Under his arms, Roland had a crumpled pile of what Tim assumed were the dead soldier's uniforms. Meanwhile, the other essence guard was tying the soldier to a tree with the soldier's own shirt. Roland, upon sitting down, went right back to whittling his stick, seemingly not noticing when Island grabbed the soldier by the head and slammed it into the tree, sending him back into unconsciousness. What the hell was that for? Tim asked, looking up quickly. I mean, he's the bad guy, but still, he's all tied up. Island grunted and took a seat in front of the fire and started going through one of his pouches, retrieving a notebook and a pencil. As he did so, Tim noticed the green-handled knife Island had wielded earlier, strapped to his side once more. We have things to discuss which he shouldn't be hearing. Tim, don't you think you have things to say? Tim looked uncomfortable and looked between the two essence guards. I don't think that's a great idea. Crashing timelines and affecting things unnecessarily and such. You know, normal stuff for you guys. Roland smiled slightly as he continued cutting away at the branch. Little of this is normal to us, Timothy. We protect the essence, but we rarely use it. I mean, Island has his knife, but that was only the second time I've seen him use it. And the first was just a demonstration. Also, what in the blazes are you two even talking about? Tim breathed in nervously and caught Island watching him, nodding encouragingly. Wow, I... I don't know what to say and what not to say. How much do I tell? Island clapped a hand on his shoulder and smiled reassuringly. What happened between us taking the stone and you being lost in time in your wine cellar? The good, the bad, everything. It all has to happen for us to make it back to this moment. You created a circle that must be closed. For us, this is always what happened. That is how time works. At least when you use it properly, or attempt to fix the mistakes of those who have used it improperly. You have three kids, Tim spat out to Roland, turning back to Island once more. Does he have to know their names? The Argentinian chuckled. I'm sure he'll figure out what to name them without your help. You can say oldest, middle, and youngest if you like. What he really needs to know are the things that have to happen in order that this 65-year circle closes. Tim nodded, centered himself, and continued. My grandfather gave me a note from the past, long after he had died, 
that told me I was the head of the Essence Guard now, and I had to take care of things going forward. And that led me here. My grandfather's name was Roland Edmund. The young man halted his cutting and sat still for a moment, taking all of it in. His gaze turned to Eileen, who was watching him closely. Well, I can't say that I don't have questions, but I guess I don't get to ask any now, do I? Tim shook his head slowly and sadly. That's what I thought. All right, then. What do I need to know? The three stayed up for most of the night as Eileen took notes, scribbling furiously. Roland was relatively quiet, especially when having taken in the knowledge of his own death. Please say that you don't have to tell me how or exactly when it happens. I think I'd rather not know. Tim chuckled nervously. Lucky for you, that happened way before I was born, so I don't know. And yet you said we spent a lot of time together? Roland inquired as he dug his knife into the top tip of the stick, cutting out a deep notch. Yeah, we did. Those were some of my best memories as a kid, actually. You used a magical walking stick and taught us about history by taking us there. It was unreal, he remarked wistfully. Roland pulled the green stone that Tim had found earlier out of his pocket and wedged it into the notch he had dug in the stick. He pointed it at Tim and smiled. A stick like this? Roland asked with a laugh. Tim returned the laugh and shook his head a little. Let's just say that your skills get better with time. Roland stared at the gnarled stick that he had first used as a weapon and a means to travel semi-comfortably with a rising reverence. So, I use this to travel through time? Island, doesn't that make me just like the Sorensons? That's the whole reason we came for the Cornerstone in the first place. Island breathed out. From Tim's stories, it sounds like you only used it to teach about the past, while that family used it to benefit from knowledge of the future. It sounds like you were grooming future Essence Guard members. I can't fault you for that. Besides, for Tim, you already did it, so what can I do anyways? The three laughed heartily. Roland began to tie the stone down with his shoelace to keep it from falling out. You haven't mentioned my wife yet. Do I get to know anything about your grandmother, Timothy? Tim shrugged his shoulders. You're going to have to find that one out for yourself. No one ever talked about Grandma. Seriously, the only grandmother I ever knew about was my mom's mom, Grandma Silva. I'm sorry your parents passed away so young, Tim. I wish there was something we could do about that. Tim shook his head. It had to happen to get us to here, but I appreciate the thought. Hell... You've got it worse than I do. You have to give the orders to make sure that all of that happens. I have to deal with what happened, but you have to make sure that it does actually occur. Roland was silent and went back to working on his stick with his knife. Island cut in. It is our place as members of the Essence Guard, Tim. You will no doubt have to make similar decisions in your days, my friend. The difference is, you won't have the benefit of knowing it has to happen. You won't have the chance to harden yourself to the decisions you must make. You will simply have to do the right thing. The camp went silent for a while. Tim laid back in the grass and breathed out. I don't think there's much more to tell. You guys mind if I get some sleep? Island shook his head. 
No, I think we have most of the information we need. And I can always bother you for more when we travel tomorrow. Good night, my friend. Yeah, thanks. Good night, Gramps. The three men laughed, and then Tim closed his eyes and slowly drifted off into a much-deserved slumber. When they awoke the next morning, the three concocted a plan as best they could. Tim and Eileen slipped into the dead soldiers' uniforms and would act as though they were transporting the other two as prisoners. Other soldiers will be easy to notice, but Hans and his men will be much more difficult to tell from other people. So be careful with all of your dealings, Eileen remarked to the two men, making sure everyone understood what was at stake and what mattered most. The wounded soldier laughed. You have assured that Hans will not be a problem. When you arrived, our men were removing the cornerstone from the Sorensen home for our own purposes. We waited for Hans to use it for his many trips to the future, so we could be sure that he would not be a problem. Thank you for that. No, thank you, Island grunted, punching the man in the gut and making a gag out of his handkerchief and tying it around the man. Let's go, he said pushing the man forward and leading him back towards the edge of the forest. Roland looked at the soldier in worry as he followed along, limping. Shouldn't we do something about what he said? You know, go to the future and bring Hans back? Island shook his head, hardened to the facts. No, our mission is to get the cornerstone and present it to the Essence Council. Hans was doing exactly what he wasn't supposed to be doing with that kind of power. Besides... We have no idea where or when he is. In order to find that out, we would put the entire mission in jeopardy. The council can decide what to do with him at a later date. No one pushed the issue further, and soon they found a dirt road. The three stuck to the field and away from the road. It wasn't until they came within sight of a small town that they began to slow down. Roland squinted and shaded his eyes from the sun. Wait. Is that sign in English? He asked, more than a little surprised. Tim peered ahead and then swore under his breath. Ah, crap. Yeah, that's not good. I'm really sorry, guys. Eileen turned to him in annoyance. You know where we are? Tim nodded. Yeah, this is Sands Point. It's my hometown, but we still must be in the past, or else things really degraded over time. Eileen nodded. Well, good. We know where we are, at least. That helps a lot. He turned to Roland and pushed the soldier to him. Take him back to headquarters using your walking stick. I'll keep the cornerstone and take Tim home. We'll reconvene at HQ. Roland agreed and approached Tim to give him a hearty handshake. Thank you for everything, Tim. Next time we meet, things will be very different. <laughs> yeah, Tim laughed. I'll be a baby. The two hugged, and then, with a loud swallow, Roland closed his eyes, and he and the soldier were gone. Eileen turned to Tim. It's our turn now. He handed Tim the cornerstone. Do you think you can use this properly now? Tim took it and nodded. Definitely. I know exactly where we're going. Eileen put his hand on the stone, and the two closed their eyes. After a moment of deep thought, a bright white light flashed, and both men were gone from the roadside outside of Sands Point, New York. 
A rush of air entered the room, scattering papers across Barnabas's desk, and he looked up to see the two men appearing in his office from out of, quite literally, nowhere. For the love of... Tim! You could kill a man as old as I with a stunt like that! He stood up to try to step around his desk and embrace his young charge, and then stopped. Island? he inquired, giving the man a long, hard look. Island smiled slightly, trying to keep it from becoming awkward, though for him, it was. I suppose we have met before. Barnabas bobbed his head. Yes, sir, we have, though we're both members of the guard, so it's a strange part of the life. The two shook hands heartily. The strange part will be me pretending not to know you when we next meet, though the strangest of all is returning a man from 1944 to his life in 2020. He turned to Tim. I'm afraid I have to go, my friend. He gestured with the cornerstone that he had now taken fully into his grasp. This needs to be returned to the council. Tim shook Island's hand and grinned. Just make sure it gets back to Gramps. We're going to need that. Island nodded once and disappeared completely. Barnabas rushed forward and embraced Tim. Tim hugged him back silently. It had been too long since he had felt anything close to normal and safe. He didn't dare let go until the older gentleman slowly stepped back. It is so good to see you, young sir. I have to ask, what of Rick? The reminder was a little more than he could take, especially with having been reminded again of what safety and comfort were. Tim swallowed hard as a tear rippled down his cheek. He shook his head once, silently. Barnabas bowed his head in a silent prayer. Tim sat down on the couch, comfortable for what felt like the first time in forever, and breathed out. Barnabas smiled down at him and then slowly frowned and stopped. Wait, why are you dressed like a Nazi? The man asked, returning to his chair and relaxing as well. Tim chuckled. Long story, but I can promise you I'll be changing out of these and burning them in glee the first chance I get. He cleared his throat and grew serious. You haven't mentioned Tristan yet, Barnabas. What about him? Oh, he replied unsure of how to proceed. He made it through with the help of Miss Jessica and has almost completely recovered. In fact, the two of them, along with your cousin Celeste, went out to try to find some sort of clues as to where you might be. I have to admit, though, that I'm worried about them. Your Aunt Florence and I, we haven't heard from them in days. No one knows what happened to them. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.